Resonant Truth presents Natural Time, Mayan Astrology for a Modern Age. I'm Lisa Starr. I was raised in the faith of the Mayan sacred calendars. These ancient cycles have been resurrected for a modern audience and called Natural Time, in part because our year of uneven month lengths is, by comparison, really unnatural. I am not here to lead any kind of revolt against the Gregorian calendar, but I do want to bring the Mayan alternative to light and want you to know about Mayan astrology, where the passage of time and your birthday within it has deep mystical and magical significance according to indigenous spirituality. I am passionate, I am transparent, and I am emotionally available, if not volatile. And that's because I'm a blue overtone storm. You can find out what you are at Resonant Truth. Today on the Zolkin Count is called White Electric Wind, and it is the third day of the Yellow Sun Wave Spell. And it is also the Cosmic Moon Day 3. And I thought I would um, meet out another astrology session so that you can use it like a handrail in case things are hard and that the yellow sun wave spell really supports explorations of enlightenment and I feel like that's a pretty identifiable term it makes us feel more luminous it lifts our spirits so that we're lighter and so it's recognizable what we're kind of aiming for and the yellow sun time has the promise of that it's just in the magic in the linguistics that it is a time of enlightenment and a celebration of fire the element and jose arguelles distinguished the fire of yellow sun contrasted with the water of red moon um, he distinguished them as universal fire and universal water and I guess what I think about that is it just reminds us that the sun is the center of the universe and is a fireball but it also makes you think about all the different kinds of fire that exist and one that might matter to us is the fire inside of us the fact that we're warm-blooded and that we can usually feel in our hearts most centrally when we're ignited and there's a flame that uh, you know rises and surges so I think that's part of yellow sun as well and And again, just noticing what fire the element is doing in your environment or what you read about and hear about in other environments. How is the concept of the sun or the concept and or the concept of fire looming large in your consciousness? Speaking of meteorology, today has been a white wind day and I just really don't like wind. I said it last time. I was bothered by wind. There's a lot of wind where I live. <laughs> so 
I won't talk about the win, hopefully, for all the years that I am supposed to live here, but I just think that when the world is in such a state of flux, and the flux feels super chaotic, uh, the you know ecology of us, where we live, how we're situated in relationship to the ecosystem around us, is sensitizing. And I guess I'm kind of stumbling with this idea like, okay, it used to be like as recently as maybe a year ago that our biggest concern was global warming. And now that is so far down the list in terms of hot topics and survivalistic concepts, but it is the, the primary one, like the one that has the most potency. So we kind of now are fractured in the human way, battling the demons that exist kind of in the human form arena. But at the same time, like whatever is happening structurally in your environment around weather and extremes of weather is so physically jarring. So like I feel like the news has a lot of emotional drain and sensory stimulus, which is exhausting. But the weather stuff just feeds all the rest of the fears because as an animal, I just get so unsettled. And my wind is not like extreme. It's not climate change related. It's just, there is climate change in the heat and the drought where I am and identifiable upset there affecting animals and then we're animals but affecting animals and then the wind to me is just sort of like an insult like come on so I don't know what to say about white wind days except in origin they represent the divine male or the male principle that when we are born we leave the womb and we enter the masculine identity archetype of the wind and breath, that's oxygen that we take in as our wind that inspires us, gives us spirit within every breath. There's this sort of non-physical entity that takes up space. So in its deepest shadow, meaning the most, I guess, removed from its pure positive light-filled essence you know whatever shadow and light in terms of you know comparing like what is the um the darkness or the like I want to say evil but I want to I want to throw that out there as just like descriptive not like literal so what is the evil side of white wind <laughs> it's super disruptive and it reminds me of the masculine principle when it is not helpful, when it just, when the masculine patri patriarchal element just comes into a space and everyone is immediately unsettled by like just this blowhard, um, kind of like a, a dominion that just ruffles calm. It disturbs the nest. 
And it's interesting, like I'm just going on this white wind riff, even though this day has passed for anyone listening. But white wind is so much about the remove from the hearth or the heart center of a home or a tribe where the women's business of child rearing um, and everything else. Like I don't, again, I just mean historically uh, in indigenous setting, primarily women would be left to kind of be in the village while the men went out at a remove. And that's white wind, being at a remove, being at a distance, creating a lot of space. It can be safe space. But I guess I think of like white wind when it's not creating safe spaces, when it's like in the hearth area and mansplaining how to, you know, child rear and cook. And I mean, these are all just me in my usual state of like, this is an allegory. But as I say it, I'm like, that's exactly what's fucking happening right now. Masculine patriarchal, doesn't matter if it's men or women who come up with the idea, but just that principle of the most evil part of white wind would be instead of securing the perimeters, how to remove, meaning being called to the edge of the, you know, social community in order to keep the borders safe or in order to hunt. Instead of doing that, everyone's like clumped up and um, contaminating the space that's supposed to exist for the female principle at the center. So that's an exact replica of our, you know, current state of mind, state of chaos around abortion rights being reversed. Okay, I could tell it's true because it just made me yawn, which is an indication of like letting go of something. I'm not crying, I'm yawning. But it would be the same, similar difference. Uh, okay, but white wind is behind us. And we're on to the next stages of the yellow sun wave spell. So again, like, what what are we looking for in this yellow sun time? What are we feeling? Enlightenment is helpful because it, it is a lifting of the spirit, but it's also a clarity. And it should also be joy in the yellow sun time because if we look at the way the last days of the Zulkin, the, the yellow sun is the final day in the 20 tribe day schema. And so it's an arrival point because there's a story being told, a kind of mythology that begins with red dragon in the womb and ends with yellow sun you know, achieving enlightenment or rejoining the sun in the sky after being born in the womb and experiencing an incarnation, we would rise to the light or whilst living in our incarnation in our body that was born, uh, we are able to become little sages, little gurus, uh, those who achieve enlightenment while alive. So you have to kind of two options and then in the end they're the same thing. One is 
physical embodiment of enlightenment. The other is just becoming enlightenment by etherizing and rising back to the sun. Um, So, in this yellow sun moment, I mean, I don't kind of know where I was going, but I was saying the last four days of the Zolkin have a story within that larger one. And it is that Red Earth is a ceremonial day. And we can just imagine that it would be a perfect day to have a physical ceremony, meaning using objects and um, festivities around ceremony could be there. Like it's, it's a portal, it's a monumental portal of preparing for something to come by calling in the spirits and calling in the four directions and all these things that happen in ritual. So that's Red Earth. And then White Mirror is the day of sacrifice, human sacrifice at the top of the pyramid. And it's followed by Blue Storm, which is the upheaval that comes after something like that. Like that's a schism. It's a schism. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's shocking. And Blue Storm comes to like clear all the mixed emotions and reflections that happen after a sacrifice has gone on in our life. It doesn't have to be a human sacrifice, but the White Mirror Day invites the concept of sacrifice. And it's always an undoing of the ego. And so it's an unsettling and we need to kind of like blow all that unsettled confusion, uh, new information clogging in our brain, blue storm comes and just is the, the motion, the gesture of clarification, but through chaos. And then we get to yellow sun, the end of the Zulkin run and the end of this sort of quartet that comes uh, in the final four days. And that yellow sun is clarity or clear-headedness or simplicity or vision that you can suddenly have after being confused. And that's enlightenment, all those things. Clarity, simplicity, peace, ease, uh, the ability to see what is. Like that's enlightenment, right? And, And then the other thing is joy because the sun gives us life. And that is a joyous thing. I mean, kids, we all put smiles on the sun. So we must have a um, very easy, intuitive inclination to understand that that is a joyful promise of an orb. And when we enter the yellow sun time, we can uh, practice joy. And I don't mean with effort. I was telling someone today, white wind day, a talky kind of day, that, you know, my hope or heart got kind of lifted. I got some um, inclination to be happier. It's just came really uh, like a thunderbolt uh, yesterday, a lunar day. And I don't know how long it'll last. Certainly doesn't last all day. Like I just get glimmers of it. I get glimmer is like, isn't that like a small kind of light 
for slight. And then maybe it's going to really grow over this wave spell. We'll see. I'm curious. I want to just say something that we can use for our own personal astrology. But I'm going to use Trump as an example. Uh, the wave spell before this was blue hand. He's a blue hand. Then came the wave spell after blue hand. And I just feel like <laughs> it could be true for all of us, you know, that we have our wave spell and it feels kind of good or it feels at least really um, primal for us. It's your wave spell. You might feel thrown off in your wave spell, but I think it's because it's the nexus of the journey you're on. Like, Self-exploration is deep when it's your wave spell. Self-awareness, understanding, lessons for you come up in your time. And then you're kind of like basking in all of that heightened awareness. And, and then it ends. And it's like you're not supported and you're not central. And the world around you doesn't match your insides. It's kind of like how I experience or would describe when we come to our own day or our own wave spell. It's that the outside world is matching our inside. Okay, so then it stops, the wave spell stops, and it can be a rough ride, and you kind of want to go back, climb back in the boat. You know, you're out there treading water, getting tired in the... In the next phase, you kind of want to get back to where it was comfortable in your wave spell. So I don't know, you know, who among you could uh, find this topical, whether you're a blue hand that just finished out a wave spell or it was the white wizard and you can relate that blue hand wasn't quite uh, as easy or significant or, sorry about the yawning, or resonant. And if you're a yellow sun, then you're just going to want to really be here now and have the richness of your time. And then we're going to uh, flip over into uh, Red Skywalker. And I don't, you know, see what you think. Some of the wave spells, though, in the Zolkin flow together really purely. So the Red Dragon... You know, I don't know that it flows purely into White Wizard, the second one. But I know that White Wizard and Blue Hand are occult partners. And so there is a relationship in that transition from one to the other. They are a pair. They're a pair in the world of magic and occult wisdom and occult occurrence, meaning like hidden uh, spiritual portent not direct not preachy religious stuff but like the under belly the depth of spiritual uh, sparks that's like the occult description it happens between uh, all the 20 tribes they're paired off in, in their occult partners so again i think from white wizard into blue hand there was a continuum and then I don't think there's a continuum between blue hand and yellow sun at all. <laughs> I mean, of course, there's some, but it isn't at all seamless because 
blue hand is really an egoic time. It, you know, I'm not just because Trump, but I mean, I'm guided by blue hand and I have a lot of problems with egotism. I'm led in life by this. And I use that phrase to be a know-it-all as kind of like, yeah, that's the darkness and shadow or evil of blue hand. And so yellow sun and enlightenment, that word, you know, that we bandy about, but we kind of know what it is. It doesn't have any room for egotism. Like it's, it's like antithetical to egotism. It's what every, you know, seeker is trying to shed ego and move towards oneness with the sun or that spiritual power. So it's kind of a rough transition. And I guess it might be rough if you were a blue hand, as I described. Uh, I'm, you know, things are just going to get hotter and more fiery for the next 10 days. <sighs> you know, reaching a boiling point. All these analogies for heat and overheating. And then simultaneously, we are making our way into, not very far into, the cosmic moon. And I want to reiterate the things I've already said. And I think that's part of the cosmic uh, proclivity. It's just like, again, being one with the cosmos isn't complicated. Uh, it is redundant insofar as it's like it's the same thing like I remember this from last year and the year before and the year before and to me it's the ultimate coming home it is like descending into the Christmas holidays if that's your jam like this is a countdown to newness now the cosmic moon is the last of the 13 moons the final tone of our 13 tones that get celebrated over a year and when we wind down into the end of the year it's because we have achieved something monumental every year is monumental achievement achievement of the journey of the 13 moon um, wave spell and it's the time of settling and coming into stillness and it's the end of the drama that was this year like without me predicting the future I did that a few podcasts ago and I will stand by it Ron DeSantis is going to be the next president barring a total miracle dark horse entrant like Oprah or Michelle Obama someone who can like break all the anyway <laughs> I'm just saying like look at the end of this year's storyline the, the the tension that has been like bludgeoned by all the other headlines but a tension point of this endless portrayal that um, Trump uh, won the last presidential election like that's a storyline and it's an electric year and he's an electric guy so this is his year out of 13 years and he had, you know, his aspirations to keep touting this untruth. And it seemed to be working really well for him. He was a kingmaker. And he's just 
getting shit canned right now, like in a real way. And I'm not like listening to the hearings and I don't, all, all I'm saying is that there's an exhaustion point happening again. And that is so interesting to me because it is the end of this electric year journey and the Trump tone uh, that he carries. Uh, I mean, I like it. I like it. I like it. And being one with a cosmos is a leg off this planet. To be cosmic is to not be planetary. It's a graduation, you know, it's like moving through all the schools from grade school to middle school to high school to college. Like cosmic is, you know, this ultimate destination of refined, um, you know, like you're in refined company, elevated learning. And there's like a peace in that rarefied space that we enter in the cosmic tone and we get to do it for 28 days. So other things, you know, I always talk about being one with the cosmos just to break down the word cosmic, which can be, you know, like a peace sign. It's cosmic. You know, where did that come from? And we've colloquialized it, but, you know, in its origin, it is talking about the star system out there. And, And that's really important when we're doing Mayan spirituality because not only were they completely enamored of the stars in such a fundamentally scientific way that they recorded all of this astronomical information over centuries. But the supposition is with that love and reverence for, you know, outer space, that's where they live on a spiritual level. I want to like throw something out that is just completely like I would call it clairvoyant, but I'm, you know, not like a superstar psychic. So you don't have to think of it that way that I am like auguring some truth. You could just think of me as like brainstorming. But I want to just suggest that when the Maya left planet Earth pretty universally right smallpox colonial invasion like there was a big exodus of death like most of the conquered colonial uh sites but i and i haven't been down you know i've been down there once so i'm not an expert but i'm just positing throwing out there that those spirits might have been able to leave earth even in a tragic circumstance cleanly because you know they were all about the stars so I mean it's just on again think of this as spiritual just like a willingness to go instead of spirits stumbling around like ghosts because the tragedy was so horrifying and maybe uh, like I would think of Native American as in continental United States um, that maybe there's like a greater reverence for earth you know that earth is what holds the spirits and a lot of Native American teaching is that you know everything you encounter on earth this rock this this animal this bird this um, you know, this tree like the 
objects around you, i.e. the facets of nature around you are imbued with spirit, actual spirit, you know, like they have soul. So when colonists came and eradicated Native Americans here that, you know, the land and everything in its depth was where their soul lived and it was really hard to just go out into space, the stars. So, I don't know. I just think the Maya were able to get out and therefore they're a huge resource for us because they are in a cluster, sort of a soul cluster. I mean, I know this because Jose Arguelles did the research. He was way into it. He was a much more forward presenting person than I am so he had an audience and he kept talking about the the ascended Maya and that they they are there and this is where our love of the Zolkin and the magic and synchronicity of the Zolkin is being orchestrated in connection to all these incredible potent spirits so anyway uh yellow sun is a time uh no I was more on the cosmic descriptor here. Like to be one with a cosmos is not just to be enjoying that we know there are all these, um, you know, planets and orbs and fires out in space, but the people, the Maya, the presence of the Maya is out there. So the cosmic tone and time is allowing us to really tap into that. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll try to develop this more next time I podcast, is just like, it is just such a boss feeling to be still, to be offered stillness, because we agree to take the ride every time there's a wave spell. And it is a ride. And it's friction. It um, forces us to pay attention. It is evolutionary so that it changes. It is a, a, it's an ascent, an ascent. So we have to deal with all kinds of, you know, the challenges of growth. But now is the aftermath of that, and it's the time in between growth stages, and we get to be more restful. I am Lisa Starr. I am another yourself, and in my own we say, in Lakesh. <laughs> <laughs>